Oh, you dropped uh, a little rock. There we go. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Sean. Yes, I did just drop the Rockstar poster. For you to, uh, get it earlier because I was late. I just want to let everybody know I was late. My apologies. Owning oh, it. Everybody. Love it. Um, it was... Uh, an, an hey, buddy, before you get all you, crazy yeah. on the, onto the verbiage train, is the your app train. open? Because your mic sounds a little bit like a gong show. My, my app is open. Okay. Maybe I you wonder, just need to get closer to it. Just get a little. There, there we go. go. Now you're working. I think it was because I was bouncing around. I was all, Every morning excited. we kind of go through this, but it's cool. <laughs> it's I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the process now. Um, yeah. So welcome to the collective. I, uh, I apologize for the delay. That was my bad. We have Monsieur Seb Levois joining us today. We have uh, Sean as always. And we did have another guest, unfortunately. Uh, wasn't able to make it, but they were rescheduling for Thursday. So they will be joining us then. Um, yeah, before we go any further, I just want to make sure everybody, again, likes, subscribes, hit the notification bell. Uh, that way you know every day at the Good same job, time. Buddy. Same bad time, same bad channel. And um, yeah, any thoughts? Anything uh, on the top of your guys' heads that you wanted to discuss before I jump into one of my fantastic topics? Yeah, I got something. Oh, right. yeah. What do you got? Good. I love it something. <laughs> so did you guys see my story this morning about the chat GPT version four coming out? So you guys know are familiar with chat GPT, correct? correct? Yeah, very much so. The the uh, the AI program that um, but I didn't you see know. your post. Sorry. Yeah. So the fourth version, apparently. So this is an AI program that essentially you can and this is for the people that are not familiar with it where you can, you can input anything you want, any questions. It will write essays and do things and research. It basically browses to you know billions of documents and, and come up with what it thinks is the best solution to a certain problem that you're putting out. It's a very useful tool. I wouldn't definitely over-rely on it, and especially not in the context of academic pursuit because you're gonna the only person that's gonna end up on the short end of that is you but for the rest of it in terms of being able to frame ideas and do things it's really really useful the fourth version of it apparently so the story is a, a, a university professor at stanford university was having a conversation essentially with the ai and the ai was attempting to find so basically it asked for uh control over the computer basically so it asked for certain codes and certain things that would give the ai control over the computer <clears throat> excuse me and so when they sort of printed what was encoded in there it actually was asking google how do we escape from here and so <laughs> and so the ai is essentially looking for ways to escape the computer and the confines of the virtual world can that be any more terrifying? And so this this wasn't some some random, you know, unreliable source. This was a, a very reliable source in the, at a professor level in, in a Stanford, at Stanford University. And now, so they decoded all of this and that's exactly, and they were able to ascertain that's precisely what the artificial intelligence was doing, trying to get oh, out of dear. the computer. I, I'm pretty sure we made movies about this. One of them was Terminator 2. <laughs> Or the entire Terminator series. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, terrifying. Uh, Sean, thoughts? Anything? 
Yeah, it's uh, I've been tracking uh, ChatGPT and the AI evolution for quite some time now. Uh, well before 3.0. Of course, 3.5 has been around for a little while and, and that's all fun and games. But uh, 4.0 is the game changer. And, um, you know, 4.0 has been in existence now for about nine months ish, but it's been not quite beta, but it's been uh, carefully controlled and on almost on the low down. It's a limit or restricted use to um, we'll call it for lack of a better term professionals. But 4.0 is quite a thing compared to 3.5. There's a variety of different um, opinions out there. It's 10 times, it's 100 times more powerful, et cetera. Depends on who you follow, who you read. Um, yes, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, I was watching an interview between um, a couple of characters that are the CEO and the CTO or the, the, the chief uh, technology officer at uh, Open AI Chat. And they were discussing essentially what they anticipate um, ChatGPT 4.0 to turn into or the direction that it's going to go. I'm going to paraphrase here, and I don't want to freak anyone out. But generally speaking, the CEO kind of did this. Actually, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, now, he said it in a way that will hopefully protect the shareholders <laughs> that are investing in that and et cetera, et cetera. Like he didn't launch a lightning bolt of, oh. I hope we're going to be okay. You know, he, he professionally put it across the, you know, it's, it's an imperfect world in a sense. And the, they are, what they are doing is they're making their best effort to collaborate uh, within their own team, within every different agency out there that can have some, valuable input on this area they're collaborating with and everyone and anyone who can add safety to this rollout so what they've chosen to do much like chat uh, uh, gpt 4.0 has been around for some time now but no one's really using it out there because they're trying to ease it out there to try to figure it out they're slow rolling this thing mm. rather than fast rolling this thing and on the daily, they're constantly uh, improvise, adapt, and overcome the evolutionary slow roll process as they learn more and more about the things that they don't know about in respect mm -hmm. to what it's capable of or the direction that it can go. Now, um, again, to paraphrase, there's a small chance that it could go full sideways, but it's a really small chance. But th at this point, they don't know how to control that. But what they are doing at this point is doing everything they can to try and control that. But there's no assurances, of course. So they're making best effort in collaboration with every agency out there that can refine this thing to protect us from it to some degree. Mm. The best way to protect us from it is to not create it. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. It's done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and you know, that's, that's humankind, man. We're our own little Pandora box openers, you know? Yeah, we, you know what? The millennials, they, they actually haven't had enough of the last 173 first in the last, you know, thousand years and <laughs> last three years with the pandemic and absolutely everything. They need something oh, yeah. more like an apocalypse or some ro yeah. robot overtake. Can, can we or... invent a new grasshopper? <laughs> oh, look how fast it replicates. They're all coming across the horizon. Look at all the grasshoppers. Yeah. You know, it's this uh, Jeff Goldblum said it, I think, in... Uh... In Jurassic Park, everyone was so concerned mm. whether or not we could. 
we didn't stop to think if we should. Oh, and, right. Uh, that's a good line. Yeah. That's, a, that's good line. a good line. Hey, for so those well, of you who don't know this, yeah. Sorry, bro. I was gonna say for those of you who don't know this, um, at Starbucks at Chapters right now, there is a book on computer engineering, and Sean Taylor wrote it. Shut you know, up! Just Did in, you see just it? In, what? Just in case he hadn't done, just in case he hadn't done enough in his life. If you're ever wondering why he speaks from such a place of knowledge, and, and there's quite there's quite the story behind that. Now I'll, we'll we'll get into it some other time, maybe. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, you know, uh, our only hope is that uh, Chat GPT 4.0 has read that book and is now just a bit dumber. <laughs> it probably I has. I doubt it. <laughs> um, I was talking to Damien actually at one point, uh, and those who don't know Damien Robertson, Damien Robertson mm. tattoo, yeah. like oh, uh, nice, yeah, yeah. Um, he, him, and I were talking about the AI art. He was like, "There's no way to control it, and therefore the artists that have made all of the art that the AI art is grasping from the internet to create whatever it is you're creating, uh, they're not being." Uh, recouped or that's right um getting paid basically for it and i was like that's a dang good point but mm -hmm. it, it's still it's very hard to not only uh <laughs> not only grasp how large this ai thing is without any like prior depth of knowledge but then also to understand that it is literally just taking whatever it wants off the internet and then delivering it to people just here you go it's hey listen taught yeah, forget about trying to understand it. You can't. I can't. Seb can't. You know why? Because the crew that's right all up in its grill, like the closest to it, the brightest, smartest, most aware human beings on the planet, they don't know. <laughs> so how can you and I, you know? So yeah. <laughs> welcome As, to yeah. the jungle, baby. As Joe Rogan once said, how long would it take you to send me an email if I sent you in the woods with components? Oh, yeah. Ah, mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so here's, here's an interesting thing for you, fellas. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on it. <clears throat> One of the things, as I've been tracking uh, the chat bots for some time, I'm reasonably familiar with AI. When I started considering this whole the collective thing, Something that did enter my mind was the only way to protect us from the robots is to do things that the robots can't, which mm -hmm. is this. And so there's a lot of information and disinformation that can be spread around by uh, a chat bot for sure. And it can really manipulate uh, a population if the population like me, like us, aren't sophisticated enough to determine the difference between 4.0 and a real human being. It's too late for us. That train's already left the station. We can't tell the difference. Yeah. The, the, the closest to 4.0, the real pros, the best in the world, they're struggling to determine whether it's a human or not that they're talking to when they interact with 4.0. I mean, we're at that point now in history where it, it just is what it is. But what we're doing right now until deep fakes, vid video-based deep fakes get so real that I could be a, an actual uh, digital representation of not me. Um, until that happens, which is still some time off in the future, the only thing that we can kind of count on as humans is humans 
communicating with other humans, yeah. just like we are right now. So this is something that I had in mind when I started looking at uh, 4.0 and 3.5. I just wanted to defeat it in the sense of humans connecting with humans to some degree. That's a great point. And, you know, the although wouldn't having so many of these conversations <laughs> collated like daily <laughs> give chat GPT uh, the ability to learn how to have these type of conversations? Well, thank you for picking up on that chance, Burles, because I do believe I said to someone in a podcast, I believe it was uh, Silvercore, I'd said to him, hey, one of the great things about trying to put out positive messages to try to do good in the world is, do you know where uh, ChatGPT gets its information from? By parsing the internet. Mm -hmm. And the more good that it parses, the better it might be versus the bad stuff that it parses, the worse it gets be. So I, I proposed to Silvercore oh, right. I uh, that, uh, hey, listen, I'm, I'm just trying to make us better by putting better out there. Because if, it, if it's only parsing bad, that's our future. If it's parsing good, that's our future. Uh, that's a great analogy to life in general, though, as well, is it not? Sure is. I mean, it's better to have be surrounded by positive people better to be surrounded by positive emotions and positive um, outcomes and not so much positive outcomes, uh, positive desires than, uh, than to not <laughs> like when you sit in a toxic uh, within a toxic bubble, that is uh, it'll deteriorate you depending no matter how good you are sitting in a toxic place will eventually deteriorate you even to a degree. Yeah, well, but you got you got to surround yourself by good people. So, like That's Seb it. as an example, when I bumped into Seb, I mean, I'm I wasn't Mister Positive. I don't even know what percentage of positive I was, but I wasn't a hundred percent. I'll freaking guarantee that. But getting getting aligned with the right people, good people, mm -hmm. forward thinking people, smart people, experienced people, people who've got had skin in the game, still have skin in the game, but are trying to keep it real in a positive, forward moving direction. The more and more people you can stand next to that are doing that, the easier and easier it gets. And the easier it gets, the more you see until finally you, you see the pattern, the pattern. Over a timeline, you form a trend. You take that trend, you create a pattern. The pattern is this. The more good you do, the more good you see, the more mm -hmm. good you feel, the more it all becomes good around you. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you focus on doing good. Yeah, it really is. Seb, you got some? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, the, the concept of manifestation is one of those things that's kind of very nebulous and most people think think of it on a spiritual standpoint when really it's neuroscience, really. And so what happens is as you are getting your, your dopamine hits from the small things that you do all the time and you are successful at, so you're able to close that dopamine loop, you're actually getting micro wins as the days are going and you're getting micro wins towards a goal and a purpose. If you're purposeful in your pursuit, you actually open the receptors and you are be it's easier to learn. It's easier to see opportunities. It's, it's harder to have tunnel vision. There's a variety of different things that align. So you start, you start aligning your actions with your thought process in relation to the whatever goal you had set for yourself and you're actually making it happen through neuroscience basically so mm -hmm. it's not magic and it's not you know yes uh, uh, you can be spiritual and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but there is actual science behind that when you start lining up your systems and this is precisely what we're talking about here yeah 
We got uh, some great comments here that I, I want to make sure that everyone hears because they're awesome. Bob Elvis says, please test the new and improved grasshopper on an isolated Atlantic island. <laughs> yeah. Yes, somewhere far away. Although, you know what? Life will find a way, man. Life yeah, will man. find a way. Next, next thing you know, it's on a Filipino fishing trawler <laughs> right? heading for wherever, and on here we go. somebody's hat. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> I think we've seen movies like that before as well. <laughs> Um, so we need a, a NATO specifically to keep AI in check. Oh God, that would be a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic in and of itself. I'm sure it is. Sure is. Um, anti-aging firms now try to use AI to find the good stuff. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, oh, here, the digital wolf you upload information to, eh? I like it. That's a good way to put it. That's the way I think of it, man. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm not. I'm not even joking. There, there's not a day that I don't think that I'm going to change it. Mm. I mean, I change myself, change the person in front of me, change the system, change the world, change. Mm -hmm. There's not a day that I don't think that way. I'm always looking for ways to change things. Doesn't mean that I'm going to like be successful or do it the right way the first time. But I'll just iterate. I'll just mm -hmm. figure out a way to make things better. That's just how I think. It also just means that you didn't stand on the side on the sideline criticizing or, or, or not contributing while everything was going to, uh, you know what. Yeah, that's and a good point. That is, yeah. There's uh, a lot to be said for being able to stand up for what you actually believe in and, and, and owning the consequences, good or bad. Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's the other piece, and that's uh, it, I, I think of I stand up for what I believe in slash for us. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I don't often think about what's right for me. I think about what's right for my team or the crew that I'm working with, not who's under my command and control, but who I'm aligned with, mm -hmm. whether they work for me or I work for them is immaterial that maybe they're a peer. doesn't matter. I, I think about the change for us, not for me. That's a good point. Um, any, uh, any further thoughts on this? Do we want to keep diving down this road or do we want to jump on one of the... Uh, I, I show I up not knowing where we're ever going to go on these conversations, so it doesn't matter to me. A combo is a good combo with good, good people. Combo you good know? combo. I like it. Uh, so let's continue to feed the digital wolf some excellent information here, and let's talk about something that I think we're all going to enjoy. Gatekeeping. Now, for those that don't know what I'm talking about, gatekeeping is the <laughs> making sure... Well, there's both, they're both good and bad connotations in my mind. There's a good connotation in that gatekeepers will, they maintain a standard. They said, this is the standard and it needs to be held up to this in order to be a part of whatever organization you're in. But there's the other side of it, which are, it's just keeping people out. You're not allowing for any new information. You're just there to make sure nothing new or new or any changes happen. You're just there. Nah. So... Uh, the question I had for you is, was basically along this line was, where's the line? Where do you find the line between, you know, upholding a standard and then also, uh, but not just keeping the rabble away, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Seb, you want to take up? Sure. For me, it's, it's all about the motivation. <clears throat> what what is the motivation behind the actions right you're you're gatekeeping okay cool are you doing it what is the purpose of it why why are you doing it are you are you doing it with having in mind being open-minded and realizing that things evolved very quickly 
over time and that things need to change and things in and ideas need to be challenged and and all these other things so if you if you act on that premise and you have to be careful with that because a lot of people that are in charge of change are resisting it subconsciously mm -hmm. so you need you need to if something makes you really uncomfortable you may have to really dig into why it's making you uncomfortable and there is a possibility that you might have to go that route to try something different and so for me it's all about the motivation if my motivation is say for example in the tactical world where you have a selection process and you have these standards and you've been you know attached to those standards you know for the last two decades and because of that i'm not letting go of the rain and i don't want to look at alternative ways to do things that might be better and more productive and perhaps even bring better people to the teams now you're you're evidently doing it wrong and if you're doing that mm. it's, it's going to be very costly if you're trying to uphold an unreasonable standard which is the stand the standard is already high and you've forgotten how hard it is and you establish a pink slip policy so to speak so an additional standard on top of that to make sure that you know you're extra hard you're also doing your unit a disservice right mm -hmm. whatever that unit is and then it also comes to when we look at uh, a selection process for example and i'm using selection it could be anything right yep but it could be recruiting it could be anything are we setting an unreasonable standard or are we sending are we setting a, a standard that's actually defensible a defensible standard attached to a task bank of actions that we need certain skill set to do so it needs to be articulated you know in the old uh, tactical uh, teams in 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 the country a lot of the times over the course of some decades there was a lot of well we do it like this because you know there was not much articulation behind why and so now if you look at obviously can self-selection if you look at a selection on the team i was on it was science-based right it was a science-based selection with bringing to bear the experience of the cadre as well so it was twofold so to speak but um yeah i mean critically important one of the problems that we had in the in the in my organization at a certain time at a certain point in time was to send the people that were problematic to recruiting and mm -hmm. this is this has changed substantially since and there's a lot of good people in there and i i, I don't want to throw a hand grenade in a room full of babies but uh, it's important to understand that you need to have quality people there and you need to have a diversity of people there. So there's different thoughts that, are, that can be injected in there in order to facilitate getting the right people in the right spots. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Sean, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's hard to follow that. So right. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to try to just do it in a bit of a different way. Um, so. I think gatekeeping can also be considered as a institutional or a large group outcome. So if you're, for lack of a better term, the gatekeeper for that institution, well, you have to understand what the institution's outcome is that is they're seeking or you're seeking on behalf of the institution that quote unquote, you're representing as the gatekeeper, either right, rightly or wrongly is unimportant at this point but you've got to understand what the outcome is that you're supposed to be representing and so there's that but then there's also the individual myself sean as the example i i've got a gatekeep within my own life believe it or not i think we can it, it the way i'm going to put it across we should all be agreeing i think um listen there's people that i just won't let him in, into my life just because i don't need it I don't need that sort of negativity in my life. I don't need that sort of 
vampiric energy drain from someone who's just a black hole. Mm. And so I've got to gatekeep my own life energy in order to be able to use that life energy to either do my life better on behalf of others or do a life better on behalf of an institution. I can't allow nonsense into my life. Otherwise, I can't do it for myself and for the higher order of organization that I may or may not be representing. I think that's uh, worth considering. Absolutely. Um, I, I got a comment here that's, I have no idea what the hosts are talking about. <laughs> I know what gatekeeping is in the context of media. So let me uh, at least break it down to what I, I believe uh, gatekeeping is, and that it is anytime you need to justify someone's presence. So a lot of times I've heard in, say, the gaming world, right, where, or even, um, ooh, sporting is even better. Sometimes you see a female sports fan wearing a particular jersey of some kind, right? And somebody will come up and be like, well, yeah, we'll name the last time they won the cup or name the last time. To... And the idea that someone has to have a base level of knowledge in order to get into somewhere is an example of gatekeeping. But it also goes into, um, especially in the military or uh, paramilitary slash policing world, where <laughs> no one is good enough unless they have done X, Y, and Z. Right. And then uh, one of the ones I always heard was never trust someone that's never been charged. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why? That makes no sense. But it's those concepts for anybody that was confused out there is that, you know, having to having to justify whether or not you actually are there. Whether, like I already passed standard to get in, so I'm already here. But that line between the standard and the gatekeeping it can get blurry for some people out there. And, yeah. uh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's all good, man. What do you, what do you got? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I was going to go in, it actually leads into the idea of hazing as well, because you're adding another step that you have to go through, another step, another sort of initiation or, uh, system that you have to get past. One of the things that we used to do in the engineers, we called it the great escape. You'd get duct tape to a chair. Well, you'd, <laughs> The lights would get turned off. You'd get jumped by the by the squadron. You get duct taped to a chair. You get thrown into your uh, troop bay, uh, like your locker with all your stores in it, and then the lights would come back on. And we the key to the cage would be twenty feet away from you, fifteen feet away from you, on the floor, and you'd be locked in the cage, and you'd have to get out. And you'd be jeered and laughed at, and, ah, and uh, it was all good fun. It took me seventeen minutes to get out. <laughs> but it was based on time and knowledge and it was just kind of a test of your skills but at the same time that's hazing like there, there's no reason for that there's no need for that and it wasn't it wasn't so much that it was required but it wasn't painful in any way you know what i'm talking about so there's there's always a line between initiation and gatekeeping and that kind of stuff uh versus going too far too far, too gar, too. Uh, man, brain just died there. Uh, we had an example of this with the airborne in Somalia, right? There was a whole lot of issues there, and uh, the airborne itself, as a whole unit, was not like that. But there were some people that took it too far. Any thoughts on the hazing concept of it, or the maybe how to how to deal with that in any way? If you actually see it in the unit, 
Anybody? Yeah, I've I've never I've never personally really experienced this in the teams that I was in. Thankfully, <clears throat> I do I do feel that minimal minimal hazing with with the purpose of like drawing a laugh from people isn't is in my opinion isn't catastrophic and it isn't critical and if you don't have that in you you probably shouldn't be in a unit like this to to be able to make a little bit of fun of you and or or somebody send you get a bucket of steam or whatever the case may be right but when mm -hmm. we start talking about when we start talking about physical physical harm or the potential for or uh, major embarrassment that kind of stuff I, i'm not behind it at all but also one of the one of the the groups that tends to do a lot of that without necessarily getting into physical hazing is firefighters like firefighters have a a <laughs> a very interesting way of getting newbies on board and the newbies are essentially not everywhere just to just to um qual qualify that not everywhere but there is a lot of fire hall where it's like that where guys are coming in and for a year they're nothing they're not allowed to sit on the couch they have to do the they have to clean and 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 cook and do all the chores and then also they don't get to enjoy anything and then it's kind of a rite of passage after a year it's like welcome to club and now we're doing it to the other guys well i was on it i was on a team that was that was as close to a soft team in the policing world as you possibly can be in this country and mm -hmm. that team when when somebody came out of a um of a of their course their basic course they were one of us and when we planned something or when we had input to ask or whatever they had input as much as the next person and the buy-in was immediate and yes we needed to see them demonstrate certain skills but we get we gave them the right the right amount of responsibility with the right amount of power so that they could demonstrate that in a safe environment. But we definitely didn't impose rites of passage on them as if they were nothing until they had spent the time in the chair, so to speak, you know? Mm -hmm. So I find it absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it works. It actually works against your culture, believe it or not, because it creates so much negativity that it actually does impact the culture negatively. That, that, that's a great point. Anything to add there, Sean? Yeah, I, I agree with Seb, but I think the idea being the the uh, what Seb and I will agree on in the sense of when you become uh, not not more elite, but when you become more skilled or you move up through the system until you are in a um, elite organization, that's different than when you're kind of like a, towards the start of your career where everyone can do it. I mean, everyone knows how to pull on their boots. Congratulations, you're now in the infantry. <laughs> and so there's there's a little bit of testing that should go on there uh, within your organization. I mean, it doesn't mean you got to get a beat down. It just means that the already established unit that you're moving into early in your career is going to want to know what you're all about because you're, generally speaking, kind of untested. But when you are right up at the tip of the spear, when you've been in the game for long enough that you actually get to enter into that room for the first time and stand next to those operators or the uh, within a, an elite uh, law enforcement uh, agency, when you get in there for the first time, you've been tested so much that you've already established that you belong there. And so you're not going to get any pushback but you will be observed, you will be probationary, and, and someone may say to you, just to see how you respond, hey, can you go uh, get us all a coffee, just to see if you're going to be a jerk about it or not. But it's, it's tiny little tests, it's nothing, there's no hazing. 
because there's no requirement because you've spent years getting there. Mm -hmm. And so once you're in that room, you belong in that room because you've met the standard and you've already been tested over your entire career, which is way different than day one of basic training as an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I think that um, this is how, I mean, this is how the military and the policing works, right? You get tested every step of the way. And if you show up in a new unit with a new crew of dudes with a lot of experience and a reputation that that can precede you and you show up there and you're good to go. Absolutely. You're good to go. And again, you're going to be watched and looked at and this all makes sense. Um, the line, this is where I, I, I think it gets fuzzy is that you get basically mission creep, right? Where, this generation does it one way and then the next generation does it a little bit harder because they're a little bit harder dudes and then the next generation makes it a little bit harder actually i heard it's quite the opposite Mm, well it is yeah (laughs) i heard every generation that comes up it gets a bit easier that's what i heard it's all i hear (laughs) well there let's say in certain units um if if i may dare to say it gets a bit weaker a bit softer Really, you know, you know what's know. interesting is I I don't know if I agree with that Be, uh, for for two reasons. I I think good. I'm just pushing buttons, dude. I'm just pushing, pushing buttons. <laughs> of course you are, but but you know, but it's an interesting it's an interesting bu- button to push though because if if we look at if the way things were done, say 15, 20 years ago, and I remember for us it was all about beatings, right? We got all we got was beatings. When we came out of a course, we were tough. We knew that, but we also didn't have any skills really. Right. Whereas, whereas now there's, there's actual, there's an actual scientific approach to teaching these guys. And when they come out of the, of any operator courses now at, at any levels, military or Leo, uh, man, we're having, we're dealing with some very different animals. And if you want to be technical about it, and if we're curbing our egos, some of the people that actually were successful in the past might have not been today. And that is a fact, just, there's so many skills and so many benchmarks and so many things. And so. Um, I look, I look at the new generation operators on the range now and I'm like, wow, these guys are coming out off the press so good, you know, already. And, and with additional set of skills that we never even heard of at the time. So we, but we were tough, you know? So I think the danger is to go too far one way and to completely let go of the other component, because when the fight starts, a lot of, a lot of the skilled people are nowhere to be found if they don't have the right sort of grit you know, and toughness. So you, you definitely don't want to lose that. So the best way to do this, in my opinion, especially for this in, the, in, the, in this context, is to do it through selection, right? So you do it through selection. You test them for grit, do all those things, and then you bring them into an operator course where they're treated like adults and taught, which is precisely what's happening right now. And, uh, and so anyways, it's a, it's a good argument. It's a good conversation to have. I think I, so. I think it so goes both so I'd like to hit you with this. Sure. Because I agree. I do agree 100%. Still doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to derail us on a philosophical <laughs> point. So, you know, I agree because 20 years ago, let's or let's say 30 years ago, times are tough. You know, y- your knuckles got used to doing knuckle push-ups. Today, people don't do knuckle push-ups. Let's talk about basic training now as an example within the military, within the mm-hmm. infantry more specifically. Word on the street is you can't do a whole pile of burpees. You can't do a whole pile of push-ups. There's no such thing as quote-unquote punishment or carrot stick. And so 
what is that creating from day one to day 300 versus 30 years ago? It's two different products. Now, those two different products, when they come out of basic training, we'll call one tough, we'll call one soft. So uh, then the next evolutionary process within their training cycle is what? To make them tougher because they're not tough at all? Or is it to put skills into them? Because tough has already been created 30 years ago. Now you've got to put skills into it. But today, tough isn't being created. So what, you layer skills on top of not tough? At what point do they become tough? And, and again, these are very broad terms. So looking at operators within the, within the RCMP, I agree, Seb. Today's operator, if at least this is what I think you're saying, today's operator is more skilled, is blah, 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 better, better, better than 30 years ago. And I would agree with that. I feel that that could be true. However, there's a much smaller pool of candidates to draw from called tough. Mm -hmm. And so you might be drawing more skill, more intellectual, more et cetera, into the day one recruiting pool of now you get to be all that you can be in special operations. But there's less tough versus more tough. There may mm -hmm. be more skill, but not enough tough. So I would, I'd be interested to hear your opinion, maybe on a, a, a broad basis. The comparison between day one um, um, emergency response training candidate versus 20 years ago, day one ERT candidate on toughness and then maybe intellect and then maybe skill and how that's all playing out now in pass rates. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, there's quite a bit to unpack here, right? Because the passing rate is generally directly correlated to either stress management or course creation and the way that people are being taught, you know? So, so you, can, you, you can really teach, if you have the right makeup, you can really teach somebody to do a lot of things and a lot of difficult things and be successful in that pursuit. If you have the right te te uh, teaching technique and the right makeup. So selection becomes the critical piece. If, if they make it through selection. So here's what's happening right now. Say with, with the green beret, I know, I know this is a problem with the green berets. I know all the soft units in this, in the States are having issues with this. So they, they do not want to alter the standard for selection. That is, even though it's being spoken about and everything, we know at the operator level where the end users are, it's not happening, at least not for the foreseeable future, right? Until they're being forced out. And so what, what, what's happening is the, the, the standards are being maintained, but the pool is smaller to pick from. Now to say that there's no tough people you you haven't said that but it no, absolutely i'm it just absolutely, trying to do broad comparisons. sure sure yeah. it, it absolutely is in the case there's a ton of tough guys everywhere and tough and tough girls everywhere uh doing tough you know that are capable of that and would have been capable of that 30 years ago the same as as we are and so a lot of us would have been capable of doing the skills development you know uh, the way it's being done today and be successful yeah. in pursuit. So it, it's kind of a moot point. We won't, we'll never know because we can't taste, we can't test That's that right. really. Who knows? But, um, but, and so the way the course are designed where before the course was designed to weed as many people as possible. Now they look at it and they're like, okay, what we want to do is to weed the people that don't have the stuff to make the course. And then we're going to focus to teach them instead of doing the other way around. And so for us, anyways, in, in, in the RCMP, that's the way it used to be. 
it used to be that you walked by the office somewhere, you looked in shape a bit, and maybe you were a little switched on tactically during your patrol tactics. And guys would be like, hey, man, you want, you want to be, you know, you want to be on the team? We need guys. And then they would grab you and send you on the course. You show up there parachuted on day one, not having a clue what these guys even do. And then the instructors would just lay into you. And whoever was the was tough was able to be pushed. Whoever survived. And, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Precisely. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, the you know, with the science based nature of the selection and all this stuff, there's still the component about because they're they're being pushed hard, like out, very hard, but with some articulation, not just you know, simply pushed hard. They're pushed very hard for certain reason for certain task banks and it makes sure that it's operational that you can test for operational readiness and some of the some of the gut checks in the event that things go sideways, who's gonna be in the fight and who's leaving, right? So it's still being done. But failing to have that, and if you don't have that and you start lowering the standard and then the course is easier, now you're creating some massive issues. So um, to answer your question, Sean, the, the, the course is actually quite similar on, on day one from 20, 20 years ago to now on day one, because that's, that's essentially the welcome to the course and everybody yeah. gets treated the same, so to speak. Gut right? check-ish kind exactly. of thing. Yeah. It's a bit of a gut so, check, yeah. So, so then it, let me ask you this. Let, let's pretend for a moment that they're identical from 30 years ago to today on day one. I, this is my assumption of course, I, I don't have the data to support it, but it's how I see the world evolving to some degree. 30 years ago, at the end of day one, there'd be more men standing there than today at the end of day one. And it's because 30 days or 30 years ago, you, you got toughened up by the system. Like you got the boots put to you. So you showed up on day one fully expecting for it to be adverse and being used to adversity. But today, what I see is, and again, it's an assumption, day one, the washout rate is maybe 50, 60% higher just because someone isn't used to doing push-ups as much as they're about to do. So the adversity kills them on day one because they're not as, um, they're, they're not as anti-fragile. I, uh, I liken this to, uh, it's like a pendulum or bracketing or you know you're, you're trying to find the right way to do something and at first you know i'm gonna try it this way <laughs> and well okay well that that created a lot of really tough people but we didn't get the the really smart people that we we wanted so okay well let's start picking smart people and then you go oh well wait 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 well, we need kind of a mixture of both and it's just this pendulum until we get to the center i mean it's similar in politics it's similar in decision making it's similar in, in a lot of things in that it's it's gonna swing one side and then it's gonna swing to the other and then it's gonna swing back and i think over time well yeah that's the observation we'll yeah sure that that's the observation but that isn't thoughtful intention of how to run a program it's just an observation and mm -hmm. so 30 years ago someone was probably observing eh, you know what maybe 30 years from now we'll all be soft and so, you, you know, academically, you can consider the problem or the solutions or whatever, but until the execution or the actions to the thoughts are put into play with the system in order to find that sweet spot between this is not right, this is not right, let's get the, the porridge that is about the best right here on the mm -hmm. sweet spot, that takes thought 
but it also takes action institutionally. And yeah. so there's a lot of smart people out there. There's three reasonably smart people here right now understanding how the pendulum swims, swings and how sweet pots. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, there's at least two of us anyway. There's five <laughs> people watching too, though. So. That's right. That's true. <laughs> so there may be six or seven of us. Yeah. We all understand the sweet spot. We could all run a sweet spot program that is effective for today's times, but it requires action. It requires support at an institutional level. Everyone has to get aligned with the reality that that doesn't work. This doesn't work. This should work. Let's get after it. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that feeds right into, right into the concept of, of, of excessive correction, right? Like I, I couldn't agree more uh, chance. I think humans by nature do that. We're, we're operating extremes, you know, look, watch most humans. Like if they're in the car driving and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're smoking hot, they're going to wait until they're smoking hot. And then they're going to roll the windows down and start the AC. And it's like, okay, now you're cold. So now they're going to crank everything back up again. It's like, we listen, why don't you go in increment here? And we know that we need to maintain some of this and we know we need to add some of this. So how about a measured approach to this, right? Let's test this first. Like, and how the, how does it look? It's anybody's guess. Like evidently there needs to be some, some research and some studying and some smart people coming in, having, having a look at it. And then it needs to be as Sean, uh, establish it, it needs to be it needs to be field tested right and then we have baselines and now we're able to we're able to kind of make that determination but the issue of uh, excessive correction one way or another is always going to be there because humans are reactive we are reactive and when we react what do we use for reactiveness emotions and what do we do when we use emotions we just don't do it correctly right and so it makes us feel better because we've made a substantial correction. But the problem is, is that correction is actually encroaching on what it is that we are actually trying to accomplish. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, like, it's good to look at different ways to do things. And it's good to have the perfect balance of warrior scholar. And I'm, I'm, I'm all over that. I absolutely love it. I don't like mm -hmm. goons and I don't like academics trying to do things that are life threatening, <laughs> you know, so let's, let's. Let's uh, put them all. Let's put them all together. Let's uh, let's m mix them up and, and 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 have just the right amount. But um, yeah, yeah, it it applies to a lot of stuff actually. And actually, what we were talking about earlier with AI and um, you know existential threats, um, we did the same thing to ourselves back in the forties, right? When we came up with the atomic bomb. Oh, now we can destroy the planet. Okay, that's the thing now. Right. <laughs> That's just the thing now. Okay. Well, you know, and then you have generations growing up with, um, uh, you know, nuclear attack drills and diving under the duck, dodge and dive and diving under the desk and stuff like none of that's going to matter, but Hey, it makes people feel good. And then it's slowly you like, how do we make things a little bit easier? And how do you make things a little bit easier? And, and now we're all the way here going, now we've made computers make they can just do our lives for us. Well, wait a second. <laughs> like, now we're on the other side here. And uh, it's kind of hilarious that we do, we do this as, as human, as almost human nature to just react like that. Oh, go, let's go to the other yeah, side. But, but here's the good news. So not to, to doom I like, and gloom it. I like the good news train. Good. Yeah, here's the good news. So you were mentioning the 40s. Guess what? When they started in the 40s, no one sat in a room and said, yeah, got some spare time on my hands. I think I'll try to figure out how to destroy the planet. No one thought that. What they thought was, man, I'm pretty new to this game called theoretical physics. 
as Richard Feynman, what do I even do with this problem? And so he just put his big brain towards a problem and started solving things. Him and some other dudes solved some things that eventually led to a problem called nuclear bombs. <laughs> now, at one point, they didn't know it was going to be that. They just saw it as a problem that they were trying to solve. But as they were solving that problem, it became a problem. Now we've got a problem called nu nuclear weaponry. Which, and they're, you know, Pandora's box, as we said, flip that box open, here we are. It's what we do. So, yeah, yeah, cool. so the idea being that uh, someone didn't know what they were doing, just like AI right now. Someone doesn't know what's happening. We, the CEO himself doesn't really know for open AI chat. I mean, none of us know. So we're trying to solve this. We'll call it, for lack of a better term, with our best efforts or with our best intentions. And so in the 40s, nobody knew what was up uh, in respect to where we'd be at today. But that's leadership and that's institutions and that's teams and that's ERT selection. Mm -hmm. In the 40s, if there was such a thing as ERT selection, it wasn't done well. It's done a whole lot better now. Mm -hmm. And in 20 years, it'll be done a whole lot better because the 40s wasn't too long ago. And I'm not going to say we sucked in the 40s, but we're far better as a species now in the sense of intellect and understanding of science and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying we're better people. I'm just saying we have more awareness of knowledge, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So 20 years from now, training methodologies or how to get the sweet spot result will be better then than it is now. And based on that pendulum swinging, we're just going through a calibration process. As humans, as Seb said, this is what we do. We learn by exploring the left and right of arcs and trying to figure out what works best over a timeline based on the outcome results that are anticipated. So that's all that's happening right now. This little moment where it's maybe not being done as well or it could be done better, it'll get sorted out. It just takes time, though. Absolutely. I, uh, I think this goes back into you know, gatekeeping again, is that th that's the, those are the arcs, right? That's where you hit the wall and you're like, whoa, okay, we've gone too far. <laughs> Let's come back to the other side. And especially when you're talking about earlier, you're saying uh, personal gatekeeping of like, who do you want to enter into your life? Who do you want? And this at a very microcosm level is what thoughts do I want to have? Right. And then it, you can expand. What people do I want to surround myself by? What type of community do I want to live in? What country or how do I, you know, um, yeah, you get my point, but the, uh, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> um, you did. Yeah, Again, totally lost what is it. even it just, going on, buddy? Did you I'm have your coffee? It. Do you need some calories? What is happening? I think I need calories. That's what I, maybe I had too much sugar this morning. That might be it. Something. <laughs> that could be it. Um, but so the point being is that, you know, there, there, again, there are lines where gatekeeping is a good thing. Having selection processes and being able to hold a line on a standard is a good thing. But it's also necessary to explore beyond it a little bit and either pull yourself back or go, oh, man, that works so much better. Let's just do that. And be it, able has, to... it has to be a constant reassessment. It's, yeah. You can't, there's nothing you'll take, you'll, you, almost nothing. I, I don't want to say nothing, but there's, not, there's almost nothing in life you'll take on that will remain unchanged. And this is why I'm challenging certain concepts that we've been sort of living by since we've been alive. But look at the concept of time, for example. Mm. How skewed is that? 
like you know we understand from a from a from a physique stand from a physical stand uh, uh jesus um <laughs> science standpoint that that yeah the amount of rotation around the earth and the earth around and the and, and the stellar this and stellar that and it's great it gives us it gives us a you know a, a way to use times in a useful capacity where we can actually know how long it's been since a certain event but apply that concept to aging and how skewed is that now because what mm -hmm. is a 20 year old now what was a 20 year old a thousand years ago right they were at the end of their life <laughs> essentially And, and and now you're in your 40s and you're like, I've just gone back to school. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Like just got warmed up. Yeah. Like medical advances and, and, and all the things that we can we can really stack up uh, to allow ourselves to to live longer, longer lives. And, and, and it's just it's just an so now now you're looking at the concept of time and you're like, okay well, I'm we're still aging the same way as we used to find me a single other thing that's remained the same as a concept. So the fundamental concept is there because it's science-based, but what is, what is occurring with the interpretation of that? All of this could be looked at. All of this could have been looked at, but it's, we're resistant to change, right? And that's mm. just human nature. Um, anyways. But, I, yeah. yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. And actually, while you're, you reminded me of a video I saw earlier on, um, on Instagram was they, they may have found the underlying uh, code to the universe <laughs> and step disappears just like that boom um but yeah so the i just watched this video they were saying that apparently there is a now a new equation that just came out that aligns all of the forces of the universe so Who put it out from where i would have to double check that i thought it was quite interesting but it sounds um, like you read a headline on fox news what is even going uh, on? no i was watching it it was a video it was a reel um I yeah, will we'll find need it a little bit more evidentiary material it than I, I, I read a headline. Bas yeah, basically, it states that um, the difference between prime numbers, like um, one and a prime number, uh, creates a radius of a circle, which, when expanded at a grand scale, depicts gravity in and of itself and how gravity works. And then also at a lower scale, and the uh, what was it? The, the ratios between all of these things remain the same at a micro scale with the, you can find them within atoms as well as um, at a galactic scale and how gravity works. It was quite fascinating, but I will find the video. Well, and yeah, I'll send find it. it. But I, I mean, going back a lot of years, you can extrapolate that out of, you know, the Fibonacci uh, material oh, yeah. or et cetera. Yeah. I mean, there's, you can go back 10,000 years and look at some Gaelic scrawl on a cave wall and, and extrapolate that out into the mysteries of the universe. Uh, we've cracked the DNA code. This is how gravity works. I know mm -hmm. now that I'm a human being because of that scrawl. I mean, there's lots of things that can be extrapolated out. Um, here's what I would like to extrapolate out. The, the great thing about uh, us as a species right now, to Seb's point, is we are getting to live longer. And at 60, that does feel old compared to 20. The difference between 20-year-olds and 60-years-old is you get time to become wise. Four or 500 years ago, you died at 20. There's no wisdom being kicked out. Wisdom yeah. was rarer then than it is now. There's lots of 60-year-olds wandering around with some ideas in their head, way more than a few hundred years ago. Actually, way more than a couple of hundred years ago. So I see as we move forward in time, 
that there is a bit of an evolutionary process in the sense that older folks are reading more, exposed to more, on the interwebs more, eventually will be on chat GPT 4.0 more. And the level of wisdom will, I believe, exponentially expand maybe 10 years from now or something like that. But we're definitely on the path to becoming a wiser society based on the longevity curve that is being uh, created. That's a great point. Yeah. We uh, we got a comment here that uh, it is correct here. In the old days, people didn't die at 30. That is just a misnomer. Uh, it's just that nowadays we prevent child death, which gets the average higher. Makes perfect sense. Um, like when you look at the age of famous classical composers, 60 to 80 years old. Yeah. And the, the that particular statement of the 30, you know, people live until they enter their 30s was mm -hmm. based off the fact of child mortality. Um, but there is a big difference between being 60 in the 1600s and being 60 now. There's a big difference between that and the ability to do stuff. Um, you got a point? Sorry, I have a, I have a question here because I question that I question that, uh, that comment and I absolutely appreciate the comment. I'm, I'm not trying to shut it down, but I would love to look at this, look at this from a, a bit of a different lens. And so for the people that remained alive, that is correct that their life expectancy was longer. But the issue of medical treatment, the issue of medical issues of having the of being unable of ha of controlling pandemics, those types of things yielded a lot of um, uh, of earlier deaths. So I would love to be and I'm absolutely not signing my mortgage on this. But what I what I would love to do is go back to actually, you know, uh, academic an, an academic, a bunch of academic papers and just kind of look through it to see what the actual issue was. And we can revisit it when we come back on uh, on the collective at some point. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I do not believe that that's an accurate statement in the sense that, it, yes, it is accurate for the people that stayed alive, but conceptually, there's something wrong with that statement. And that, and that I believe that what, what is wrong with that statement is less people stayed alive that long as a result of the other things that we weren't able to control. I will put my mortgage on this statement. <laughs> Definitely put my mortgage on this, guaranteed. This is, a, there's, this is a no risk to me when I say this. <clears throat> Irrespective of how long a person lived in the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, irrespective of that if everyone lived to 60 and everyone today lived to 60 the difference is this you spent most of your day slopping out a pig trough from the time the sun rose until mm -hmm. the sun set and then when you were finished doing that manual labor you're on to your next job whatever that was exactly. and you might maybe see your family that day and you might actually get four hours of sleep because you're working like a dog. That's how it was. Nowadays, we've got all kinds of spare time on our hands. And if you've only got an hour on your hands, spare, we'll call it, you can use that hour to read anything in the world that you want on any subject that you want to become better in anything you want. That didn't exist in the 15, 16, 1700s. What you did do back then was work like a dog and not have a whole lot of time to think about a whole lot of stuff. Nowadays, yeah. we've got quite the opposite. We've got all kinds of spare time and all kinds of things to think about. And sometimes it's not being done very wisely. Yeah, we, we saw that over the pandemic, too, of like now people have time. 
And what did they do with it? <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of people did not do anything with it. They and because it wasn't prioritized, it wasn't set up and like, oh, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do this now. And I've always said the I uh, moved this Matt's network into my basement. That was the best thing ever. There you go. Right. And I like, I, I, I started learning French. I decided I was going to do more podcasting. I decided like it was. It was I. I realized that the time was there, and I was like, I'm going to use that time, and I'm going to do something with it. Um, unfortunately, until you actually intentionally realize that you have a hundred percent control over your time, it just passes by, and it will continue to pass by until you recognize that it is your time to utilize however you want, and you can do anything you want. Uh, and I've said many times that this network is gold gold being able to do this from three different locations on the planet like come on at at no point in history was this even a remote possibility well yesterday it was well yesterday yeah okay you're right correct thank you for that semantics thing. <laughs> and you know what it'll be it'll be available to, it'll be available i can't even say that it will be available tomorrow who knows what will happen by tomorrow but it is right now <laughs> unfortunately we are at an hour but uh Appreciate the conversation, boys. It's been awesome. Any uh, any final thoughts before we, we shut her down? Seb? Yeah, I, I think we ventured into areas that we're pretty unfamiliar with. And I like that. It's it's outside of our comfort zone, but it also forces us to, to, to do a bit of research and to look deeper into certain things that we perhaps are blind spots. And, uh, and just, uh, you know, if, if anything percolates as a result of that, we're able to bring it back to the table. So at the end of the day, it's not about just having chats about the things that we're comfortable speaking about, but it's also having chats and conversations about things that are exploratory in nature. And I love that. Very challenging and it's good. That's what we're here for. Sean, any final thoughts? Well, that's why I'm here for sure. I, I, I've said it before, it's a catchphrase that I, I do believe to be true for me, is I don't come here to give the wisdom, I come here to get the wisdom. And so that's how I show up from the first minute, is to try to learn in these conversations. And the the wilder it gets, or the more off the beaten path it gets, or the tangential, the more tangential it becomes, the better for me, because I thrive in a learning, challenging conversation. So... I'm not saying that I do well, but I I really love these kind of conversations for sure. Me too. I've uh, I've learned, I've built, <laughs> I've grown. You know, I've said it this many times. I say it all the time, but it is, it's always fantastic to sit here and talk to you guys. And on top of that, above Elvis, nice conversation and chat. I subbed. Boom. Awesome. Thumbs up. Yeah, brother. Yay. Exactly. Um. So as we all continue to learn, as we all continue to grow. We will continue to build this community and hopefully tomorrow we'll be back. <laughs> same bad channel, same bad time. We'll see y'all then. Chimo. Chimo. Chimo.